Trevor Alpern, the Tijuana Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is the proprietor of the website Advanced NFL Stats, Brian Burke. Burke, of course, has been on the podcast a couple times before, and I think that what follows represents no sort of departure in terms of his capacity for providing crack analysis with regard to football. It should be said the sort of analysis that Fangraphs readers would support. If you're not familiar, Advanced NFL Stats is a site. Essentially, it's the uh, it is to football uh, what Fangraphs is to baseball. Of course, with the caveat that football uh, being a fluid game uh, and baseball being a, a turn-based game uh, presents its own sorts of challenges. In any case, with those challenges understood, uh, Burke and I discuss a number of things regarding the current football season. For example, uh, the team that that is most improved since last year. And the team that has declined the most, at least through the, these uh, first seven weeks of the NFL, NFL season, the team whose record is uh, probably least representative of their talent, and uh, vice versa. How uh, were he asked how Burke would construct the ideal defense, what that defense would look like, and which of the, the 32 NFL teams are most efficiently run, uh, most optimally run, uh, essentially which are uh, most well acquitted by various nerd criteria. It is Fangraph Audio. It features advanced NFL stats, Brian Burke, and it begins right now. <laughs> yeah, I think some people might think there's there's uh some uh, illegal medication behind the uh, some of the numbers. Nefarious yeah. activity, yeah. Are you still – have you noticed the uh, – I mean, there, there are always going to be situations, right, where the numbers you're producing are going to seem – well, there's gonna, they're going to depart from the actual records. I mean, I remember uh, – I don't know if it was last year or the year before where Atlanta basically went through the entire season with uh, – you know they 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 had one of the most excellent records I guess in 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 the game, but the the advanced stats were not showing, uh, were not reflecting Great. that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, are you, do you and, and you were getting some grief, not necessarily not at the site as much, but especially when you do those, the the probabilities before the weekend at the the times. Yeah. The um, yeah. You, you there's always uh, a team like that uh, every year where. You know they they have a a, a great looking record, but it's um, you know they're just pretty lucky, or they've had a pretty soft schedule, or some combination of the above. Um, and uh, so their fans will will come out of the woodwork and uh, attack, um, which is fine. And, and you know to to some degree they're probably you know the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But um, you know that that's uh, you know I, I think you know right now I. I Wrote about my own my own team, Baltimore. I think their record is is pretty deceptive, even even before you, you consider all the injuries that they just suffered. Right. So what's going on with uh, Baltimore? And I, I well, I heard about the Ray Lewis thing. Right. Is he out for the season then? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think they've officially said out for the. I, I believe so. Um, uh, Haloti Nada, um, the uh, the defensive tackle, uh, um, he, he's got a. He's got a number of injuries, back, knee. I think he'll still play, but it's a concern. And then, um, where Darius Webb is their, their top cornerback. I think he's, he's kind of, he's lost, um, in, in come, some of the, the bigger stars on the team there, but, but, um, he's, he's the, might be the best player at the moment for them. And he's out for the year. He tore his ACL, uh, last week. Oh, that doesn't feel good. I'm sure. Yeah. It's harder to play football too when you do that. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he, he's great, you know, you know, like I say, cover guy. And, uh, um, since we have no pass rush in Baltimore, um, uh, you know, he, he was making up the difference. So, um, that seems like a thing. Um, you, you hear talk, uh, or, you know, you will, you'll, you'll hear like, uh, broadcasters talk about true shutdown corners. Yeah. And uh, there's always a suggestion that there are fewer, there are probably fewer shutdown uh, corners than there are teams. Uh, maybe fewer shutdown corners than there are elite wide receivers as well. Is that? I mean, from do the numbers reveal anything about that? And I mean, is Ladarius Webb when he's right? Is he one of those guys? 
I think so. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I, it's a little beyond my expertise personally, you know, as far as uh, being able to grade out players and stuff. But, um, you know, the, the consensus is he was uh, um, he was a big part of why the Ravens did really well last year on defense. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be difficult. I think you know one of the things I was thinking about recently though is I don't I'm not sure just what you know cornerbacks you know there's some that are better than others obviously and, and some you know weak links in the chain um, throughout the league but in general it seems like the very best wide receivers seem to keep on doing really really well week in and week out. I mean it so you take. Uh, you know, Megatron, you know, somebody like that. And you, you think, well, okay, we'll triple team the guy, you know, we're going to put our best defenders on him. We're going to shade a safety on him. Um, we're going to jam him at the line. You know, no matter how much defenses tend to focus on a wide receiver, he still seems to be able to produce. And it's the same guys. It's the same receivers week in, week out, year in, year out, who are topping the leaderboards in terms of production. So it seems to me like there's not a lot you can do. It's more of a fact of, you know, what the offense is doing and more like defenses are just kind of there. You know, they're just sort of, um, you know, they're like the Washington generals, you know, playing the Harlem Globetrotters. It's really what the Globetrotters are doing that matters. I would assume that there, that all 32 NFL teams would uh, refute or, you know, at least would deny that what you're saying right now. They would not be happy about it. <laughs> all the defensive coordinators, yeah, and coaches and players would. Um, there's, I think they're just they're hand, um, hamstrung, you know, they're handcuffed to what they can do. You really can't do that much, I don't think, uh, um, you know, out of the ordinary, out of out of your you know defensive scheme to really shut down one one guy. Um, I think you know a lot of times, uh, you know, definitely cornerbacks. Some cornerbacks are better than others. I won't say that's not true, but I think the numbers and the outcomes we witness are really driven by offenses. I think pass rush too, to a large extent. So if you've got, you know, your your shutdown cover or shutdown corner is is really being helped by the pass rush. Um, nobody's a shutdown corner when, you know, Ben Roethlisberger has ten seconds of, uh, you know, time scrambling, um, you know, shooing defensive tackles off his uh, knees. Um, you know, you just can't cover. NFL wide receivers for longer than a few seconds before somebody's going to be wide open. You you mentioned this sort of uh, the disparity perhaps between what defenses can do and what offenses can do. There was this thing that unfolded last year in the the efficiency rankings at uh, Advanced NFL Stats, and I, I think three of the best teams, the Patriots, the Packers, and the Saints, they were all you know somewhere within the top five or six in terms of offensive efficiency. And I mm-hmm. believe, if I'm not mistaken, they were all around the bottom six in terms of defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm going to guess that some of that has to do with the fact that I, I know this was the case for the Packers and, of course, living in Wisconsin. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily like a huge Packers fan, but it's certainly the team I'm following, you know, most closely if I am following football. And mm-hmm. they, you know, they got to like the 90th percentile in terms of like uh, win probability. Uh, mm-hmm. Or the ninety percent threshold in terms of win probability by like halftime in almost all their games. Yeah, yeah. And so, Are you talking, yeah, last season. Yeah, right, the, right, yeah. Season. And so, yeah, they're going to give up. You know, teams are going to be perhaps more efficient against them, uh, in you know, especially in the second half, just because you know probably the Packers are playing. You know, they're playing a more of a containment style defense as opposed to. You know, mm-hmm. like a real attacking style. And, I, you know, I don't know for a fact, but I'm going to assume that that's a possibility, at least, with the Patriots and the Saints. And I just – do you see that happening? Do you see a, a maybe any sort of positive correlation between defensive efficiency and then – I guess – or sorry, I should say offensive efficiency and then what, a, what appears to be, at least looking at the data, um, a lack of – defensive efficiency just because the defense doesn't yeah. need to be as strong well that's yeah yeah so um i got a, you know a couple of numbers for you um i know you're familiar but not everybody listening might not be familiar but um there's expected points added which is kind of like total production you know so it's uh just like uh you know run expectancy 
Um, this is point expectancy. Um, so you can measure kind of total production. So defenses like the Packers um, from 2011 who are just squatting on big leads all the time, you know, are going to appear to give up a lot of total production, but it's not really going to have an impact on the bottom line on wins and losses. Second number I'll mention is win probability added. So I know uh, Fangraph's uh, uh, followers understand that. And it's the same, it works the same way in all sports. So uh, in, with that number, you look at it, and defense, the defense like the Packers, they're not going to take a big hit on uh, that number because the win, you know, they've already, the win's in the bag. No matter really how badly or how well they play, they're going to get the win. So the win probability numbers aren't really hurt. Um, so you can look at uh, how those two numbers compare and compare. So you look at a defense that's maybe really, really high, giving up a lot of points, uh, but not injuring their team very much in terms of win probability, and you can make that determination. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would bet that the Packers you know, qualify there and, and the, the Patriots uh, last few years would qualify there too. Um, uh, and and that's, that's how I would look at that. But I think there's something to it. Um, and, uh, uh, but it's very, hard to, it's very hard to know for sure. You just, you just don't know. Right, right. Yeah, I guess that, I mean, one of the frustrating things that happened last year, and of course this happens in baseball too, where you have, on the one hand, you have the broadcasters who are responsible for generating a narrative, you know, uh, roughly in real time. I mean, it's certainly, you know, they come with ideas about what, you know, you know maybe uh, three or five potential narratives that could unfold during the course of the game. And of course there are some just sort of, uh, fallback types, um, but but one one narrative that that um, I kept hearing last year was, you know, that the uh, Packers uh, maybe passing defense was bad because of how many yards they were giving up per game. But I think that you found a couple things is that, I mean, this is not shocking. Teams that are down tend to pass more because they need to score points. And also, I know that uh, one of the first things I came across at Advanced NFL Stats, one of the first sort of uh, epiphany-type, uh, mm-hmm. epiphany-inducing moments, I guess, I had at the site, was was, yeah. was a discussion um, you led about, or you created, I guess, about what causes interceptions. And your point was that... Um, that interceptions really are they're thrown as opposed to induced by the defense uh, because yeah, because exactly. the team will throw or t- uh, take higher risk tactics when they're ahead or behind, behind. yeah yeah, yeah d- defense in general is kind of driven that way it, and you can just look at the um, distribution just the distribution of, of team uh, stats um, well first off I mean like total yards like the league itself officially, um, and all the networks and ESPNs of the world all rank teams in terms of total yards gained or lost. So, like, uh, the number two defense in the league is just the number, you know, the team that's given up the second fewest yards. That is the worst. It's just the worst way to create a defense. Um, you know, one of the reasons is the, uh, you know, the Packers um, situation we talk about. But, um if if you have a terrible offense and they're giving short fields to opposing um, offenses because they're you know pumping and they're backed up against their own end zone and stuff, then a defense is going to give up seven points but only give up fifty yards. You know, so there's all kinds of reasons why that total yards is just really bad. I just, the best way to look at offenses and defenses is efficiency. It's just simple yards per play. I like it past yards per attempt. On yards per carry in the running game. That, that's that's going to get you 90% of the way there. There's some more cosmic models like on my site, but simple efficiency is, is so much better. So I wish those guys in the booth would, would go towards just simple efficiency stats and, and not the totals. Yeah, it seems as though, you know, because you always have to look at it, and I know uh, someone is certainly in the baseball community uh, who's – who's pretty adept at talking about this or digesting for a public audience um, maybe some more advanced ideas um, and, and maybe more, uh, you know, 
numbers-oriented ideas is uh, Bugshambi. Um, Bugshambi is really good. Yeah, he does uh, uh, maybe Monday night or Wednesday night baseball. He also does a bunch of college basketball. He's very good at at um, discussing ideas, right? Uh, so maybe yeah. he, may, he may not cite, for example, in a football broadcast, he may not cite expected points added. But yeah, maybe something like you know, uh, like a yards per attempt, and you know, on a on a pass like that might be something where if he were calling that, he would be good at doing that. Uh, but I, I'm, yeah. but it also seems like like part of that problem is right is adjusting the entire there's like there's a lot of inertia there, right? Um, and sports in particular, people seem to at least in the uh, at the mainstream level, it seems to be rather conservative in terms of how how much they're willing to to change the the tools that they that they've used for some time. I mean, certainly the case yeah. you know was in baseball and in football too. So I mean, but if if you were to make one change, you know, would that be it in terms of the way that the game is uh, presented uh, to uh, to a larger audience? Would be maybe to go from uh, absolute yards to to efficiency sort of numbers. I mean, that's a real, yeah, I mean, that's a good first step. Uh, I'm not sure if I, if you gave me one, you know, magic wand or one wish to, to kind of change the, uh, the landscape of broadcasting, um, I'm not sure that's, that's a lot of, uh, I'd have to think about that. It's a big responsibility, yeah. Brenberg. It's big. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> I wish for world peace. I think the, um, you know, I, I have to give, uh, these guys, you know, the, the numbers folks like, like us are, always on their case you know the the simple narrative uh, we get over and over um from uh you know they just wanted it more and a-rod can't hit in the playoffs and you just it's head scratching to us and we're sick of it but um if you think about a football game it's three hours on tv i think there's about a total of 11 minutes of action actual action in those three hours yeah you know the clock it's a 60 minute clock but it's running in between plays most of the time so there, there's actually running and hitting and throwing and passing and only, you know, something, you know, 10 minutes or something. The other two hours and 50 minutes needs to be filled somehow. And so, um, you know, dead air is, is uh, deadly. And so these guys, I mean, they have to go back to the well. Um, i got to write a, a thing at the Washington Post about the Redskins every week, and it's got to have, you know, advanced stats about the Redskins. And there's certain, you know, concepts I want to introduce, but once I've kind of run through the bread and butter concepts and things, it's just the same thing over and over and over, even in advanced stats. I'm like, oh, okay, Robert Griffin is, you know, he has this many win probability added points and this much, um, you know, expected points. And it, 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 I find this, you know, you're under the gun, you're under a deadline. You know, when, when you have your own blog or something like that on the web, you can post when you want as soon as you have an idea. Um, so I, I have to cut these guys some slack just because uh, content needs to be produced and it needs to be produced um, immediately on the spot yeah and they, what really shocks me though is um, and it's kind of a window into uh, the um, inside the real NFL and um, I've been lucky enough now to, to do some consulting with some teams and so I, I get to actually talk to these guys. What are you really thinking here? What you know? What what do you really believe about how this game should be played, and what are you you know think is important? But um, before I was able to do that, you'd listen to coaches and former coaches in the broadcast booth, and uh, not even a guy like Madden, but you know Brian Billick, who was just a, a coach just a couple of years ago, and it's just mind-boggling what sometimes they what they really think is important. And I'm not sure if they're just uh, dumbing it down, you know, for what they think is expected of them on TV or whether they really just kind of believe, you know, hey, we got to establish the run. you got to really, you know, first several plays all have to be runs and you have to, you know, uh, you know show the other defense that, you know, you're going to just you know, take it down their throat and, you know, some really head-scratching stuff. And you think, gosh, I, um, you know, no wonder you don't have a job anymore. Right. Well, you. I mean, I, I, and I think that this is one of the things that you found early on, right, is that in terms of wins and certainly in terms of scoring points, um, passing the ball and passing the ball efficiently is, is probably the best and first thing you can do, right? That, that's it. I mean, wins and losses are driven by um, quarterback efficiency. Um, Football is really kind of a hybrid 
individual sport and team sport. Um, you know, the same way in baseball, like the pitcher, you know, it, it really rises and falls on your pitcher. Um, the quarterback is the same way. He's, you know, the line matters and the receivers matter, um, but uh, but he's going to drive uh, for the most part uh, wins and losses. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of a it's a different, you know, when you really peel back the layers of the sport, um, it really it's it's you know it's trite now to say it's a quarterback league or it's a passing league, but it always has been, and um, it, it's more so than even you know we most people realize now. If you were to sort, um, and I know I feel like I we've discussed this before. If I, if if neither of us have actually written about it, but um, there's a, there's a, a, a term you use called normal football. Um, and normal football, I believe, is um, any play that happens um, in the first and third quarter when there's ten or fewer points separating the two teams. Is that right? Right. Um, it's it's just when it's kind of like uh, um, it's just normal in terms of there's no big lead. Neither team has such a big lead that the other team needs to start throwing it all over the place. Just like we talked about the Packers defense from last year, you know, it's it's, it's I'm trying to avoid situations like that where you know teams are relatively you know the score is close enough where teams are adhering to their standard you know risk reward um, balance. You know, they're running, then passing about as much as they optimally want to. And so, if you were to sort every team, um, or if you were to sort take all the 32 teams and sort them by Pass percentage uh, in normal football, that is percentage of plays that are passing plays in normal football, to what degree do you think that would also be a representation of um, the best to worst teams in the NFL, at least in terms of performance or you know, wins, losses? Yeah, well, you'd find like uh, you find the Patriots up there, you find the Packers up there, um, you find some really good teams, uh, some of the better teams. Uh, some of some of this is very biased, though. You got to be really careful. Teams that are really really good at passing, they should pass more more often. Mm-hmm. Teams that aren't so good, maybe shouldn't pass as much. Um, so it depends on their average expected um, payoff for those two strategy choices. So um, it's also a little. Uh, not every pass is the same. Um, you know, there's all these screens and, and um, different types of different types of passes. So a little complicated, and it depends on their average payoff. So, I mean, but with rare exceptions, all teams should be passing more often than um, than they currently do. Uh, and I asked you about this. I've actually, I annoyed you a couple times about this recently. But in terms of teams that are run as close to optimal as possible, which I, I guess would have to do with play calling. Um, certainly, certainly, play calling is something about which you've written quite a bit at the site. And also, perhaps in the way uh, that they manage fourth down. And I know that we haven't discussed it, you know, in these 20 minutes or whatever. But uh, how how coaches approach fourth downs um, is also an, is also for you another sort of big uh, theme. I'm curious what yeah. what teams do you think are most well run, and and then beyond that, apropos of the idea of, of fourth down attempts, are, have you seen any change in that over say the last three five years? I keep thinking I do, and then I keep looking at the numbers, and it's not—it's—it's it's a mirage. Um, I think there's more uh, attention on it than ever, but it's—it's it's still kind of—it um, hasn't gotten through the um, the coaches' heads while they're on the sideline. So um, you can talk to these coaches, and you can, and they'll say, "Yeah, yeah, no, I buy it. I see it. I see what you're saying." Um, and then they're under the gun on Sunday in that situation and they'll, they'll tend to revert back to the conventional wisdom. Um, there's some, yeah, and, and, but you get these rare exceptions. You get like, you know, Belichick, uh, a few years ago and that, that infamous fourth and two or Mike Ryan last season, uh, going for it on fourth and, and one on his own side of the field in overtime. So there are these, you know, very notable, uh, examples or counter examples that, um, pop up and get a lot of attention, but on the whole, um, it still, you know, has to, um, 
uh, there's there's a long way to go. And then in terms of particularly well-run teams or well-coached, I mean, there's always going to be some overlap here, right, between, I guess, what shows up in the numbers, et cetera, yeah. and then also just the, the personnel that's available to a coach. But like Bill Belichick, for example, is noted, as you said, both in terms of, you know, maybe maybe for how he approaches fourth downs. Um, also, he seems particularly uh, talented at constructing rosters. He and uh, whoever mm-hmm. his GM is now, I guess Pioli's gone, right? Pioli's been in Kansas City for a while, but uh, yeah, he's really the guy. Uh, Belichick's really the, the personnel guy there, right? I mean, um, so if you were to if you were to guess, maybe with the equivalent of you know the Tampa Bay Rays, a team that we think of as being uh, open yeah. uh, to to new ideas, progressive ideas, uh, in the hopes of you know maximizing. Um, their winning potential. I mean, do, do you see any organizations that, that in the NFL that are pre- particularly good at doing that or look like that? I'll, I'll mention the Patriots as, as one um, for a couple of reasons, and, and the Eagles as another. I just see um, just over the years I've noticed the Eagles being on the forefront. Um, they've been very heavy, pass-heavy. Um, they've the way they build their roster. Um, the their fourth their fourth down uh, onside surprise onside kicks uh, some of those things um, that we write about uh, as numbers guys um, Eagles have been kind of doing for a while but just just a, a little bit not that much um, the Patriots uh, I know Belichick and uh, he has a he has a, a brain trust um, led by a guy named Ernie Adams, who is a pretty secretive guy. Um, there is, uh, and there are now teams, and it, it's it's actually really cool, um, at least for me, there's, there's a number of teams now who are uh, building um, analytics departments or, or, or at least a, a cell of, of pretty smart guys, and they're hiring these young econ, grad student type guys, really sharp, really bright um, and they're um, they're readers of advanced NFL stats. They're they've kind of grown up, you know, through college, you know, and just you know, football nerds, just like the rest of us. And so they speak the language that that we use. Um, and they'll reach out to me and, and contact me and ask me questions. It's, it's really interesting. It's refreshing to see. Um, and I'm I'm surprised that teams are are so forward thinking. Um, but so they do their work inside the organization, but it doesn't seem to get a lot of traction outside their own shop. Um, so uh, one interesting exception is going to be the uh, the Jaguars. Um, the owner uh, the owner's son is a big favorometrics guy, and he's a, a fan of Fangraphs. He mentioned to me, so he is um, and he's part of the organization, and he's making a big push um, for. Uh, heavy analytics uh, applications. It, it should be noted. Uh, I don't know necessarily what their record is. Uh, I'm going to guess not good. They're going to be <laughs> one and four. Yeah, Jacksonville is. Uh, Jacksonville, yeah. According yeah, to they're, they're, they've struggled. Yeah. According to yeah, right, and according to the efficiency rankings at the site, uh, they're 31st wow. to 32 teams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's uh, it's only getting up getting up off the ground. Um, and like I said, this is a quarterback-driven league, so um, you know we'll see. One of the things you know that that we should look for is how long they stick with um, Blaine Gabbert, mm-hmm. uh, who you know he he had a rough, very very rough first year last year. Um, There's a lot of excuses, um, and I don't mean to say that you know pejoratively I mean there was no off season for him remember there's this the, the lockout uh, they had a you know they just had no receivers last year you know now they have a better receiving core he had a, you know it's his second year they expected to do better um, he had some flashes you know early on the season's still young we'll see but if they stick with him you know the way like the Jets stick with Sanchez you know long past the point where it's painfully obvious the guy is just not going to be a winner for you um you know, we'll, we'll see. The jury's out. I don't think uh, there, there are two teams that are sort of uh, seem to have distinguished themselves, separated themselves from the rest of the league, at least through, what, uh, six, seven weeks now. 
Uh, one of them I, I think people would not be surprised to hear is the uh, uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, yeah. They've, uh, they've looked both good, not just defensively, and I think that was uh, sort of a given for them last year, but offensively uh, they've done well, which I'm, I'm guessing has something to do with Alex Smith. Is that and, and they, maybe a revamped uh, passing attack too? Uh, is that the case? I don't know. Uh, that's an excellent question. I've wondered that myself. Um, you know, one of the things I, I pride myself on is my knowing the limits of my expertise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I think so. I think the the best explanation is a combination of things. Is that he was pretty lucky. I think he probably, you know, he had a healthy offense. Uh, Vernon Davis had a great year last year. Um, he uh, was probably healthy himself. He, you know, maybe faced some some weaker defenses. He was in a very soft division. Um, his the system in place with uh, Jim Harbaugh and it just kind of clicked for him. It worked for him. It maybe simplified things enough for him. Cut the field in half. He had maybe three reads instead of four on every play. Um, you know, maybe he had a better offensive line. It, so, you know, and, and any of these guys can do really well given the time. You know, if they had the, the right kind of protection, I think, you know, quarterbacks can, you know, anybody can, any of these guys are really great throwers and passers. But, um, you know, I think if there's there's something intangible about the decision-making uh, in their, you know, the brainstem or something, you just can't quantify um, or see on tape. Um, so I think, I think there's a bunch of things that went into his resurgence, not resurgence, there was no re-part, you know, his, in one good year last year, right. uh, and then this year he's done pretty well. Um, but last couple of games we've we've kind of seen the Alex Smith of old. So um, oh, yeah. I wouldn't sign him to a you know hundred million dollar extension just yet. Now, and the other team uh, also with a uh, I guess it's a you call it a GWP. Uh, this is essentially like a projected winning percentage, essentially uh, given um, I guess various uh, efficiencies and then and re- regressions. Yeah, so like efficiency regression model. If if a team played a perfectly league average uh, notional team at a neutral site, what would their win uh, percentage be? So okay. That's what, yeah. The other top team in the league is uh, is interesting, I guess, because they have a new quarterback, um, and he is very different than the quarterback they had last year, and that's that's the Denver Broncos, who got rid of Tebow. Who I who was clearly an interesting story, um, but not a great thrower. And now they have Peyton Manning, who at least historically has been a great thrower, although coming back from injury. Are they? I mean, is their turnaround? You know, what percentage of that essentially is is Peyton Manning? Well, gosh, um, they were exceptionally lucky last year. So they're even though they're I think they're only three and three right now. Um, but they've had some. They've had a tough schedule. Uh, they've had some some bad luck. Uh, you know, Peyton Manning had those three picks in the first quarter against Atlanta. That's just that's just not going to happen uh, very often. Um, so the they're they're gonna they're gonna be a tough team. I think they're a lock um, for that division. Uh, I think the Chargers have have shown how flawed they are, um, and Monday night was just an illustration of that. Um, but I think it's you know, Manning, I looked at quarterbacks and kind of their aging curves and, and uh, older quarterbacks, and the sample sizes aren't very large in football, uh, especially for, you know, old quarterbacks, Hall of Fame-level quarterbacks. But pretty much what happens to these guys is they perform at a very, very high level right up until they pretty much fall off a cliff. There's just there's no graceful degradation or decline or anything, and it's usually, it's usually health that um, – Fights these guys. So as long as Manning can get out there on the field and he's just not in pain um, and he can physically uh, perform, he's going to play really well. Um, the strength of his game is not his foot speed, it's not his arm strength, it's his um, it's his brain, and that's the one thing that just doesn't fade. And that's why you see quarterbacks play into their late 30s and running backs, you know, play into their late 20s. You know, the speed is the first thing to go, but that brain power sticks around. So those uh, those Broncos, at least uh, pretty efficiency models, uh, are the most improved team so far. We can discuss uh, some of the other um, vastly improved teams. The, the least improved, or I should say, probably 
the team that's gotten most bad over the, the course of the year or you know since last year appears to have gotten or declined the most is uh, also probably is not incredibly surprising. I, again, I don't know what the record is. I didn't check. But is the um, the New Orleans Saints, who, of course, had uh, some difficulties in this offseason. They've, dra- they've dropped from being, I think, at the end of last year, they were the fourth-ranked team uh, by the GWP model, and now they're 30th, which is not good. That's uh, almost as many spots as you can go down. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, there, there's one answer for that, and that's their pass defense, just non-existent. Um, you, you, they, it's, it's just very hard for them. You know, the narrative, right, the, the, the guys in the booth are going to talk all about, oh, well, Sean Payton's not there, and the turmoil with the bounty gate uh, drama, but the the real reason is pass defense. There's just no pass defense in New Orleans, and that's what's holding them down. That's why they've been losing, and that's why they get that ranks so low. If I had to bet, though, they're going to regress pretty sharply upward, um, even over the remaining part of the year. So they'll they'll improve. Um, they won't be the team they were have been the last few years, but uh, yeah, I don't really believe they're truly cellar dwellers. Um, but and the offense seems fine. It, they really they're one of the top um, uh, performing offenses. Um, at least in terms of past performance, I'm not sure if that's going to continue. But uh, um, yeah, that, that's a that's a big one. They've they've really fallen off a cliff. You, you mentioned that if you're that in terms of defense, if you were uh, maybe that uh, pass rush is is pretty important. I, I you know, I'm not necessarily I'm not asking you to be a coach necessarily, um, or to you know you said that one of your skills is knowing what your what your boundaries are of knowledge. But if you were to kind of construct an ideal defense, what what would it look like? You know, I mean, I don't know if it's three four or four three, but you know, who like what sort of players do you think are difference makers so far as as that is concerned? You know, whether it's pass rush or or somehow stopping some other element of of a, an opposing offense. Yeah, pass rush is, is enormous. I think what you need, you know, first off the bat is you have to be able to stop the run. I know I'm Mister. You know, pass is the most important thing. Pass pass is what wins, but um, but that's only assuming that you do have a minimally competent you know, running game on both sides of the ball. So, I mean, that's kind of the first presumption. You have to be minimally competent because if a team can get three, four yards on every single carry on you, then there's no reason to pass. You're never going to get any sacks. You're not going to get any um, interceptions. And, you know, it's very hard to stop a team just marching down the field on you. Um and as a Baltimore fan, I, I watched that happen to our team the last two weeks. We, we got very lucky, actually won those games, but um, it was almost impossible to get off, the, get the defense off the field because the team could reliably get five yards of pop on every carry. So that's the first thing. You, you have to be able to minimally do that, hold teams to about four yards per carry. Now, after that is established, now you just want to go after the quarterback and just, um, I think, uh, guys in the middle, are the most important. So your inside linebackers, your safeties, um, you know, because they, they're they um, just physically, because of their geographic location on the field, they're critical. So I'd, I'd want to have outstanding, you know, Troy Polamalu type guy, uh, you know, uh, Patrick Willis or Ray Lewis in the middle. And then um, uh, I think, uh, the, you know, you at least need one pass rusher who's just a monster and just very, very hard to stop. Um, you only need one guy to get to the quarterback um, or rush him, and that's really that's really important. You don't need all four or five guys getting uh, getting to the quarterback. You just need one guy. Well, I, I was looking. I think Jack Moore, who of course writes some fan graphs and uh, does work for you too, he had written a piece about uh, what J.J. Watt had done through the first six weeks or something. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. His uh, and you, again, one of the, the numbers you use is expected points allowed and you you have a way of doing it defensively you know where because there's so many pieces whatever but it, you try and uh, you attempt to capture using kind of part of the puzzle you're trying to paint in the rest of the picture i think is um not the yeah, worst way of right. explaining it but jg you want, yeah 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 in pentagraphs it, it has a you know you have like a pl- you know plus side you know, WPA and downside WPA. Right. And that's on those tables. So, um, yeah, for defenders, we can only look at, we only know, just because of the way play-by-play works, we only know the, the tackles and the plays that do make. You know, you don't 
it's not the play-by-play never says, you know, uh, so and so blocked, you know, pancake blocked, you know, out of the play. Right, you just right, don't see right. that. So, yeah, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's funny. Yeah, but I'm. Um, but what J.J. Watt had done through the first uh, five or six games of the season was nuts. Uh, just in terms of like, like being able to to sack the quarterback, making tackles for losses and other plays. And then also I think he had uh, – he was averaging over a pass deflection a game, which is a rate that, you know, has not uh, – you know, hasn't occurred since uh, – so far as the data goes back, I think, since 2000 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, the Texans have been really lucky. Um, they've got some – you know, they lost uh, um, who, uh, Mario, Mario Cushing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Cushing is out with injury, but they seem to be able to restock uh, restock that defensive front seven pretty quickly. Um, JJ Watt is uh, he's had a great year so far, and um, looks like that'll continue. Well, how does that work with because uh, in baseball, you know, the role of the coach? Uh, well, I don't want to make any definite opinions about it, but in terms of like what he does in terms of strategy, he is not it does not have a huge effect on the game, um, except maybe to annoy Fangraphs readers while they're watching the, those games. <laughs> Uh, right. I mean, they could take runs off the board, but they all seem to do it, you know, most, most, uh, about, at about the same rate. Uh, yeah. But in football, it seems like with the extent of scheming that is involved and the, the playbooks and just, I don't know, you know, the, the ability of a coach to react in real time to circumstances uh, as they change during the course of a game. It seems as though coach would have a, a greater effect, for example, on a on a football game than than a baseball coach might on 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 that sort of game. Yeah, I completely agree. That's one of the reasons I, I'm so fascinated by football, um, just because of that. You know, every play is a kind of risk reward. Uh, you know, there's game theory involved. Uh, you know, in baseball, yeah, you get you know shifts in the outfield and the infield, and do you play for the double play or do you you know you know, there's some of that, you know, pitch pitch types, you know, do I want to lean on my fastball here, you know, switch it up with a, you know, breaking ball or something. And um, so, but football is just full of that. And <clears throat> all these different plays, what they're trying to do is get um, get matchups and mismatches. So you, you try to get, <clears throat> pardon me, you try to get a, you know, a, a big slow linebacker on your really fast tight end. You know, and and uh, so you you might you know set up three or four plays that are not necessarily throwaway plays, but they're not your best optimum choice in order to set that up so that later you know maybe the next series you know the defense is going to be suckered into giving you that matchup you want. Um, now that sounds really plausible and and really smart, but one of my theories is that. You know, the null hypothesis of all this is that it's really just glorified rock, paper, scissors. You know, you guess blitz, I guess draw, you know, so I win. Or you guess deep pass, I guess blitz, you know, I win. And and so on. And it's, it's kind of intransitive. You know, it just kind of goes around in a circle. One thing beats another, beats another, and then one thing beats that first thing. And um, so I think it's... They make it more more complicated uh, than it seems. I I once got to be on this this in this workshop with Mike Leach, the, the college coach, yeah, and uh, who was and at uh, said, Texas Tech, right? That's him. Yeah, yeah. Where's he now? He's at Washington State. Washington or something State. Like. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And uh, so this was in in his uh, year in the wilderness or two years in the wilderness, and he's like. You know, football is so you know it is so simple. You know, we have like at Texas Tech, we have like four plays, and and, you know, slight variations on each one, and that was it. And we just practiced those over and over and over, and we just got excellent at those four plays. And then, you know, it's it's all about, in the running game, it's all about just having more guys than they do. You know, it's about numbers and space. You want the ball in space, and you want number, you want more guys there than, than the other team. And that's about as simple as it, you know, it can get. So I guess there's a couple different philosophies. Um you know, one thing about the NFL is the leagues are, the teams are so even that, um, you know, when talent levels are even, then other things really are going to determine the, the outcome. 
um, you know, just like I'm a, I'm a Navy grad, so I watch Navy play Notre Dame every year, except for a couple lucky years recently. It doesn't matter how well we strategize, we're going to get stopped. Um, but when teams are really even, now strategy really comes into play. And so at the NFL level, because of salary caps and other reasons, um, teams are even even some of the best teams and the worst teams really aren't that far apart. Um, so in, in terms of talent, so strategy does become very important. What uh, uh, right now? What are the sort of ideas that you're playing with? I mean, I I don't know if this is the case, but I assume that you know as you're writing a, an idea will occur to you and then you kind of get attached to it and you're just sort of chewing on it, working on it. Is there anything yeah. that comes to mind that, that you're dealing with uh, right now or, uh, or is this yeah. a, a down period? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, I've got all kinds of like super interesting things that I just um, I can't comment on. No, actually what I'm, what I'm working on right now is improving the things I do have. Um, so I'm really uh, – you know, kind of um, an amateur at all this. It's not a full-time gig for me, um, and I started this all as a hobby. So things were developed, like my win probability model was developed piecemeal, and it so it comes with this baggage, this legacy of you know really poorly written code and really um, amateurish modeling and, and regression things. So um, right now, I am teaching myself some really really cool. Uh, you know, for, for the really super nerds out there, non-parametric uh, uh, kernel smoothing methods um, and multivariate, you know, so multidimensional smoothing me- methods, uh, which is really kicking my butt. Um, and I'm teaching myself R, which is this open source stats language, kind of like a, something comparable to your big, you know, super expensive enterprise level research level uh, statistical packages. So um, that's what I'm working on. So that is nerdy, what you just said. I recognized some of the words you said. I just, in that order, uh, pretty rough. Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, you throw those words around with chicks. It's just like, I mean, they're just it gone. It is. Uh, that's right. Yeah, for the heterosexual men out there, definitely multivariate. Use that around ladies. That will get them fired up. Uh, that's, yeah. great. that's great. Um, well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This has been good. I just kind of wanted to check in, uh, you know, with the site to see how I was doing, just to see how football's doing. Um, you don't know. Is there anything anything I should be excited about as the uh, – I mean, we're not quite to the second half of the season yet, but but um, it's getting towards that. Is there anything that you, you think is going to be unfolding from here on that, you know, that will be of some yeah. interest? No, I think um, no, no, it's you know, done. The season's done. <laughs> it's over. Yeah, yeah, just look at the yeah, just look at the rankings now and pick the top one, and, and that's your champion. All that's right. It. Yeah. No, I think um, you know, in terms of the season, I mean, let's. I think uh, there's nothing too exciting going on. Um, I want to see some of the you know the the teams that we really expected to be good. Uh, you mentioned the Packers, obviously. We talked about the Saints, the Steelers' defense. And they've been out to lunch too. Uh, you know, injuries mostly, but they're getting older. Um, we're seeing this resurgence of, uh, not resurgence, but we're seeing a surge of really talented rookies and really young quarterbacks. And so we're seeing the passing numbers really go through the roof. And it's, it's really impossible to tell. I mean, maybe we're, maybe it's the rules and passing is getting easier, or maybe we really are in kind of a golden age of quarterbacks. And, uh, the reason that the numbers are, Getting, um, you know, the numbers are going through the roof is because these guys really, really are good. We're just very lucky to be watching football right now. I think, I think it's probably a combination of the two. Am I correct in thinking that the Washington Redskins have the most efficient offense so far in in NFL? Yeah, this, um, there's a lot of things about interesting about the Redskins. Um, you know, that the scheme. One of the great things I like to see is when coaches scheme to the players and don't try to fit the players into their scheme. And the Shanahan's in Washington have been done a total 180. I mean, they just kind of worship at the altar of this Shanahan system, you know, the zone run, uh, zone blocking runs and, and uh, kind of West Coast offense merger uh, hybrid thing. And they think they can just plug anybody into the system. You know, doesn't matter what who the running back is, 
Uh, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They can plug them into the system and make them successful. But obviously that hasn't been the case in Washington. Um, and the reason they're successful now is because they've broken that model and they're making the scheme fit their players. So Robert Griffin III is um, being able to play to his strengths. And it's, it's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, he seems as though he's been a pretty exciting player. I guess, uh, of course, he won the Heisman, but certainly uh, winning the Heisman winning the Heisman has not always led directly to professional success. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, in some it, cases, it's a matter. Yeah, yeah it's, it, he, it's a matter how long this, he's going to survive. He, he's just, um, uh, I worry about you know his size, um, not just you know height or weight or whatever, but you just kind of look at him and he, he has this just super narrow waist and he just does not seem to have kind of the bulk um, that, uh, you know, F equals MA and he just, there's just not a lot of M there. So he's going to get, he needs to be really careful uh, if if he's, if he's going to, his career is going to go very long. Like we talked about, you know, speed is the first thing that goes. Um, So he, you know, he needs to, um, he needs to learn, uh, learn how to stay safe. Well, cool, man. Uh, we'll stick around for a second, but uh, this will be good for the recording part of it. I'll, uh, okay. I'll say uh, thank you to to Brian Burke of Advanced NFL Stats. You can also see his work, I believe, uh, once a week over at the, the New York Times, too. Uh, yeah, they're, they're fifth down blog uh, every week, Thursdays. Right, and maybe that even appears in print sometimes, too. I, I can't guarantee it, but I think it does. Sometimes, yeah. 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 And they never tell me, so I don't know. Uh, you don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's Brian Burke from Advanced NFL Stats. Uh, I'm Carson Stooley, of course, and this has been Fangraphs Audio. Fangraphs Audio.